Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. And welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined. It's a it's a it's a Josh and Tom episode. Woo! Yay! <laughs> you really big that up. Where's where's your enthusiasm, man? I'm always enthusiasm. But this is so uh, this this rarely happens. So so Ben is busy. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask him if he's all right with me actually putting this in the episode before it goes out. Ben's busy getting his house uh, ready to put on the market, uh, so he's uh, he's had decorators in and uh, obviously he's working as well. And he has a baby, so uh, he's he's not on this week's episode. Uh, but we've got so Tom. Tom is here instead. I was trying to think last time we did this, and it was the Warhammer Records episode. <laughs> That's me. I think I think we're going to have an equally sort, an equally kind of on topic, kind of off topic, because what we're planning to talk about, strictly speaking, isn't tabletop games, but is tabletop adjacent. Yeah, it's a Josh and Tom episode in which we don't actually talk about the, the podcast subject matter. I mean, I mean, did you listen to the last episode? That that's pretty much what happened. Talked about my weird fever dreams in Jim Davidson. So you know, go figure. Go figure. Um, but we, we will kick things off with some board game related news. So before before we started recording, Tom, you were telling me there's been a little issue with the latest legendary uh, expansion. Yeah, the uh, the latest legendary shield expansion, um, as is well known, I'm sure by this point, I'm a big fan of legendary, um, especially Marvel legendary. Uh, mm-hmm. And I get them all pretty much the day they hit the shelf. Um, and Basically, this expansion just hasn't really materialized in the UK. Um, it released sort of early December, and we're now, what, middle, well, start of Feb, not middle of Feb yet. Um, so I reached out to Upper Deck, who published it, and was uh, was kindly told uh, if I wanted to get someone to order it, uh, a supplier, they would happily ship it. Um, just just like that. Yep. Just, you know, just... Just just get just speak to a wholesaler to organize that. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a couple in my back pocket. I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> um, and I, then I have a guy. <laughs> and then uh, I reached out to uh, Asmodee uh, and was told that it is coming, uh, but it will be the middle uh, of next month. Probably. Okay. So so do we care to speculate as to what's caused this? It's Brexit. It's quite clearly. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 to be fair, it could be any number of things, but it is a little bit of a coincidence that we have just left the European Union. I don't know, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe there is some justifiable reason. Maybe um, 
I don't know, suppliers just haven't got their, their finger out. But it's strange because um, a lot of other games don't seem to be having the same issue. Like um, Marvel Champions, the other Marvel game that I buy everything for, mm. <laughs> um, that seems to be coming out on schedule. You know, the, the, the time it gets released in the UK pretty much hits here. Um, so who knows? Yeah. Um, I, w- I wanted to talk to you about Marvel Champions, actually, because I don't think we've covered it properly on the podcast uh, we we played it on the day we recorded the Secret Santa episode, and that's the only game out of it I've actually played. But have you have you have you dived into it more? Well, funnily enough, I've actually got uh, a few friends coming up on Sunday um, to play oh, nice. a game with me who haven't played it. Uh, so uh, that's going to be my my next dive into it since I played it with you guys. Actually, so I need to reread the rules. Am I right in saying that the expansion they've released for it was Captain America? So there's been three, four expansions now. Um, so there was Captain America, uh, Ms. Marvel, um, mm-hmm. Green Goblin, and the newest one which has just come out is Wrecking Crew. Um, so that's two scenarios. So that's Green Goblin yeah. and Wrecking Crew, the bad guys, and then two character packs. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I'd quite like to be Steve Rogers, actually. I think out of... Um... I think out of all the Avengers, he's the one I'm closest to. Yeah, in yeah. terms of personality, very much. So. Uh, I say I say that without a hint of irony. No, I, I very much take you as sort of a, a national symbol of masculinity and all that is good with the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who Who would you be if I was an Avenger? Yeah. Oh, oh that's a tough one. Um, I'd like to see myself as sort of a, an Iron Man type, but I'm probably uh, closer to like Rick Jones. Um, who's yeah. Hulk's pal? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think most men would like to be Tony Stark. Mm. You know, out the, out of all the Avengers, or oh, that or Thor. Thor's pretty cool. Eh, eh. A, a solid nah. From I think Thor. I think cinematic Thor's great. I think Thor in the comics is a bit meh. Yeah, I I, I don't follow comics yet, right? So I don't know how how different are they. Um. <sighs> Depends which version. I mean, which era? Like, because yeah. like I, I can imagine, like originally, Thor was probably a little bit goofy being in the Avengers because we've got all these superheroes and a Norse god that Marvel did a comic for <laughs> for some reason. Thor and all the Asgardian stuff was originally very sort of like the the first four Thor films, um, where he was very sort of ye olde English speaking, mm-hmm. um, and he was a very kind of um, classic version of Thor almost. Um, yeah, and he he, he had to um, transform. He was a human called Donald Blake, and he had a staff, uh, a cane. And when he slammed it into the ground, it turned into uh, Mjolnir, his hammer, and he would turn into Thor. Um, I kind of I, I can get behind that. That's I, that seems all right. That's how he used to be. I think there was a cartoon series where he was like that as well. Um, but there have been like an eighties or nineties cartoon series because one existed for literally everything yeah definitely um but now he's sort of very much the chris hemsworth sex symbol you know quite comic um and i think that is an improvement um yeah but yeah i I still have him as the image of the the goofy dude with the staff yeah fair enough fair enough uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I for one definitely want to have a, another crack at Marvel Champions. I think it's one that we'll probably do a review for on the podcast. I've only played the one game of it, like I say, but I've already got a couple of thoughts on it. Uh, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, 
But it, for me, it, it's a little similar to some of the other final, um, final Fantasy. What am I on about? Fantasy Flight, uh, Living Card Games. Mm. So uh, I'd like to play it more to see if, you know, it deviates from the, the formula from like Call of Cthulhu and Lord of the Rings Living Card Game and the like. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on that. The only other, so only other two bits of board gaming news. Um, one, we've just had uh, the Nuremberg uh, toy show on, which it, surprise, surprise, its main focus is actually toys rather than board games. But a lot of the board game publishers go there. Uh, so they've been showing off their wares, but in terms of like new stuff that's come out from it, not an awful lot. In fact, um, Mark Cook, who runs Aircon, uh, was there in his other capacity as uh, uh, as representing Fog of Love. So uh, he was posting stuff on Facebook, and that was that was kind of my main source <laughs> of news uh, for it. The coolest thing I saw is um, Yellow are doing an alt art. King of Tokyo, which is like uh, a, a, the black version, which is like uh, t- how do I describe it? Like like night mode on like Facebook Messenger and YouTube. Okay, uh, basically it's all very dark colors and yeah. bright neons uh, offsetting it, so it looks really cool. Okay, but cool. Uh, as far as I'm aware, it's still the same game. <laughs> <laughs> But as a collector's piece, that's that's great. That's fine. But I think that's one of the strengths of that game because even in every iteration of it, uh, King of New York, which I've got, and some of the the like character expansions, they don't really add a great deal to it. The core concept stays the same. Aye, it's uh, I, I like as gateway games go. It's it's one of the best. Oh. Uh, I think there's something to be said for a game that can be played in half an hour. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, so yeah, uh, that that was the big standout thing for me, really. Not because it's the focus isn't on board games. There was no, or I I didn't see anyway any significant news that that rocked my world. Um, the other bit of news uh, is comes well comes courtesy of the Guardian, uh, and what's happened is there's been an archaeological dig up in Linda's farm, and uh, they have discovered an ancient Viking board game piece. Uh, and we'll, we'll include a link to the article in the show notes. Well, I just think this is this is really cool. Uh, we knew that the ancient Vikings had, um, they had board games. Uh, in fact, that there is a board game uh, that the folks at the Lucky Sparrow Cafe showed us, and I cannot pronounce its name to save my life. I will I'll type it <laughs> so um so uh, but um this is thought to be a piece for that game it's thought to be the the king piece for that so it's really cool um I, I, I don't know I just I just find it neat it's quite it's quite pretty yeah well so you'll see in the article if if you want to to check it out it's like a, it's a blue uh it looks like a blue gemstone with some little white dots on as a crown and like some white stripes going through almost looks like a sweet don't eat it <laughs> i'd i'd be I'd be half tempted to eat it don't eat but, it <laughs> yeah it's do like you remember that... sorry on. on you go no after you oh uh, Oh, no, no, I insist. 
<laughs> it was like that thing where there was that whole campaign about people eating the pods, the the washing pods. Oh my god, I forgot about that. That wasn't yeah. even that long ago. I know. It was Why a would you ago. do that? I mean, they look quite pretty. You know, they they look they do look. Yeah, quite but pretty. <laughs> just because something's pretty doesn't mean you should put it in your mouth, Tom. I beg but... to differ. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, I, 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 my thought was, uh, do you remember SMTV when people would uh, would send Anton Deck like the biggest crisp they've ever found? Yeah. And then when, when they inevitably opened it live on set, people, the kids in the audience would just start chanting, eat it, <laughs> eat it. They never did. They're not stupid. Retro references there to SMTV. That takes me. SMTV Live. What a cracking TV show that was. Was it good? Ant and Deck really coming into their own. (laughs) Yeah, I think they were awesome back then before they sold out to commercial Saturday Night Live TV. I, I, I. I still find them funny. I just don't watch any of their TV shows anymore. That's fair. Like. They, they, they themselves are still very entertaining in the clips that I see, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one for watching Saturday Night Takeaway or, or I'm a Celebrity or anything like that. Yeah, no, but, don't um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, so back to, back to the uh, actual bit about board games. Uh, it's so the article goes on to say it's thought to be from the earliest Viking raids. So. Um, they around AD seven hundred ninety three. So this is when the Vikings were first raiding Britain and Ireland. They they believe that this piece dates back to around about then. That's pretty so, old. That is pretty old. It doesn't make it. It is. I'm almost certain it's not going to make it one of the oldest known uh, gaming pieces. Uh, I'm pretty sure ancient Egyptians have that like hands down mm. but as part of our own history i think that's pretty cool as well yeah i mean it's it's weird to think that you know hasbro's roots go back that far <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine <laughs> ancient hasbro with like wooden transformer toys they, <laughs> i bet they exist i bet they exist <laughs> that don't the chan- a knight transforming into a horse. No, because there's that. There isn't there a, a Transformers film that's like that, where it's all medieval Transformers or something. Oh God, there is. Anthony Hopkins <laughs> is in it. It's a... He will do anything <laughs> for a page. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Anthony, you're better than this. Come on, <laughs> you're in Silence of the Lambs, man. I'm so self-respect. Yeah, and that. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I haven't watched it. It could be a good film, for all I know. It's probably uh, not. <laughs> it's probably not. I watched. I was made to watch the second one. Like I thought. That, right, tangent time. Uh, the Michael Bay Transformer films, right? Um, I thought the first one was okay. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Um, my my big issue with it was right. It should have been directed by the guy producing it. It was produced by Steven Spielberg. I think mm. a Transformer film directed by Steven Spielberg, like sort of channeling the uh, the, the 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 feeling from ET. Mm. I think that would have been bloody amazing. Mm. But uh, no, we we got bad boys, but with <laughs> Transformers, which is kind of entertaining in its own right. But I kind of object to the fact that ultimately it, it, it's a it's a film about kids' toys, mm. and uh, it should be. I have no doubt that they do appeal to kids, but they probably shouldn't. 
the thing is um, as well i think that one of the big criticisms labeled against it which i do agree with is outside of sort of bumblebee and maybe optimus prime you can't really distinguish any of the transformers in it and if you're trying to sell toys you, sh- you want to make the things distinguishable but they all just look like that's walking scrapyards yeah. Yeah, that that is very true, actually. And they kind of lost, again, with the exception of Bumblebee and Optimus Prime, uh, most of them lost quite a lot of their character, Mm. I thought, as well. Also, what was the whole thing with Bumblebee not being able to talk? Mm. Like, was that that just a plot mechanic so that we can't, you know, fully explain what's going on? That seems ridiculous. Save on a voice actor. Except they gave him a voice at the end. Did they? And then they took it away from him. I can't even in remember. In the second film. the se- And the second film is so awful. Like, is that just... the one with the girl who's like, it's like she looks like a human, but she's actually a Transformer? Or is that another one, one of the later ones? Oh, God, I can't, I can't remember that bit. I remember the robots that were kind of racist. Oh, they were uh, terrible. Yeah. yeah with the robot awful. testicles. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and (laughs) and that's about it, apart from like Michael Bay stuff. So, like, close up shots, really fast, bit of solar flare in the camera, uh, lots of noise, but we can't really tell what's going on. What I liked Uh, about that is, as you were talking about it, you went silent, and it was like you were having some sort of Nam flashback as just bits of the film (laughs) dribbled back to you. I was. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh no, that really happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, I I would love it if they did a, a Transformers reboot where it's more like the '80s cartoon. Well, I mean, the '80s cartoon film's amazing. Like, that's a classic. It's actually genuinely really good. Yeah. And I'm I'm absolutely fully biased because I loved the Transformers as a kid, but. Uh, Still, really good, really good. Definitely uh, not putting a critical eye to that. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's a shame Ben's not here. I know he likes Transformers as well. He would have been uh, having an interesting. It'd have been take all over this. this. Yeah, it'd have been all over this. Um, they looked see right the Transformers in the film, and I've just made this connection. They look more like Lego Bionicle. They than did they do Transformers. That's a very right? good point. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see that. They, um, I, I'm pretty sure they've done a Bionicle film. But uh, I think yeah. that was one of those like um, sort of straight to DVD type. Straight to DVD, yeah, it would have been straight to DVD. They were they were post VHS. Yeah, if you were straight to VHS films, or like like the OG Captain America film. Oh, with Red Brown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. That was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> awful. So bad. We should we should do it. Um, we should do an off-topic episode just t- discussing awful films. I think we are. I think it's happening right now. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to reel it back. Right. We're going to reel it back. Okay. This is what this is what we wanted to talk about this week. So, Tom, you were recently back at your mum's house. I was, uh, as well as visiting her. You were clearing out your old room. I was as well, and you you made a. A, a, an archaeological discovery of your own. See how I've segued into the previous news article. Yes, very well done. So I yeah. I wasn't very well uh, when I went to visit my mum, so I was pretty much sort of stuck in my bedroom for a lot of the, the weekend. So my mum decided that it would be a great time to have a bit of a clear out sort of around me. Um, <laughs> and I would well, kind of... Were you- were you like lying in firm in the bed? <laughs> Pretty and, like, much. Your mom's actually just, <laughs> just uh, 
Can we throw this out, Tom? Yeah, Can pretty we throw much. this out? That was that was largely what happened. I sort of got piles chucked on me occasionally and like sort through this. Uh, okay. And during this uh, this excavation, um, we uncovered a number of relics from my past. So when I was a, a wee young boy uh, of... When I was a young man, <laughs> my really? father... It's a... <laughs> That's a topical <laughs> reference. <laughs> I, I, hey, they've reformed. They have, that's true. That is, uh, that is topical, so ha! Okay, okay, I'll let you have that back. Um, yeah. So... Within this collection, uh, we found a lot of the attire and equipment that was used in my days of LARPing. Uh, LARPing? Yes, which is live action role playing for those of you who are not in the know. Um, so, my love of D&D and things like that is, uh, is well known, but. Um, well documented. Well documented, but there was a, a time when I also did uh, live action fantasy role playing. Um, which so we found um, quite a few items. So we found, uh, I think I showed you some pictures. Um, mm-hmm. One of my latex swords uh, that I had, um, which looks quite good. I, I wouldn't say it looks lifelike. That's probably not quite. Um, it's not that convincing, but it looks quite realistic. Um, we found quite a few bits of costume, cloaks, um, boot toppers, uh, bits of outfit. Uh, and like coin pouches, scabbards, all these kinds of things. Wow! So you you had like a full kit. Yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 so I I've never tried it. Okay, so so I suppose the first thing is like how how on earth did you get into it in the first place? So obviously you you, you your gateway drug is D and D. Yeah. So how do you how do you get onto the 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 meth that is laughing? <laughs> so it was actually. Um... A friend's uncle ran uh, second edition Dungeons and Dragons for us when we were very young uh, yeah. with some of his friends, and, and they were all very much heavy into the LARP scene. Um, there's quite a few fancy LARPs in the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. At the time, this was one of the bigger ones. It's uh, called Curious Pastimes, which I always thought was a bit of a, a, a sketchy name. <laughs> it does sound quite sinister. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Curious Pastimes? It's, 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 it, it sounds like the kind of shop where I'm going to pick up a cursed <laughs> item from. Yeah, it's not, it's not the best. Um, so they got they actually got us into it. Um, so they took us all along to it. And basically what you would do is, um, it was like, I think there were four or five events a year. Um, mm-hmm. And you would go to a campsite, um, sort of a large camped area. Um, they would kind of rent out the whole area for a weekend or a long weekend. Um, and you would sort of take on a character uh, in their setting in their system, uh, mm-hmm. and you would choose a faction, and you would basically you would pitch your tent, your real life tent, in that faction's area, and then they would have an in character uh, campsite as well. It was quite a big area. They'd use like uh, big scout camps and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then there was kind of these rivalries between the factions that were involved, okay. and then there were rivalries um, out with that. Um, with like NPC groups that were played by char- by players, so you would take time off your character to right. go and be a monster. Oh, okay, okay. I was just about to ask, how on earth does that work? Because surely in a live action role play, all 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 characters are player characters. But no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so you'd have like little skirmishes. So basically, you could go off, and it was called monstering. So right. at any point in time, you could go down to the GM 
area, which was this big set of tents. And you could be like, I want a monster. And they would like get a group of people who wanted to monster and they would dress you up in like costume. It wasn't very good costume, to be honest. It'd be like latex masks or like sure. bits of fur and stuff where you'd put some like black um, or green face paint on or something. And you'd just go and attack a camp. So you just like Russia a camp and you go in. And I mean, the thing is with, with LARPing, it's quite physical because you were hitting people. Yeah. Um, and we actually used to train every weekend uh, on a Sunday. We would go out to, um, um, there was like a stage school um, in Burnley um, right. and they'd rent the field or they had access to the field next to it. I don't quite know how. And we'd go on to it and we'd practice like maneuvers. We'd practice sword fighting, spear fighting, um, all these kinds right, of things. Right. Um and it wasn't just about getting good at actually doing it. It was so you didn't hurt people. So you could hit someone yes. and, and it's called pulling a blow where you hit them, but you, you stop it actually doing any like serious impact. Yeah, you just, it's, uh, they do it a lot in like acting. Yeah. Like it's uh, knowing when to like stop going full on. Yes. <laughs> so exactly. that you don't do damage. Yeah. Uh, so so that's interesting because one of the things I've always wondered, right? Obviously Dungeons and Dragons and pen and paper RPGs that are similar to it are all dice driven mm-hmm. right so where are there any dice at all nope no there was a, there was no random element if you if you weren't a good enough fighter you got hit um if right. you got outnumbered you got hit um there was no random element the only sort of um elements that came into play was you would build your character from if i remember rightly you had 20 points and you could okay. buy abilities and it wasn't like dungeons and dragons where you go i'm going to be a wizard uh, and you level up as a wizard, you would you would get points when you leveled up and you could buy abilities. So you could be, for example, the character I played for the majority of it, I played a healer. Um, okay. So I had a lot of the healing magic abilities, but I also had um, something called toughness, which meant that you had an extra hit point on every location sure. um, because I didn't wear armor. So armor gave you hit points and then uh, toughness gave you hit points. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how it, it worked. Um, so if you got hit in an arm, you lost that arm. If you got hit twice there and you had toughness, you lost the arm. Um, okay. Magic was quite cool, though, because uh, every day you would go down to the GM uh, tent to get your magic powers. Uh, <laughs> sounds a bit weird. Uh, and they would give you a, a, a small deck of paper cards. Uh, okay. And if you cast a spell, you would rip up the cards to show you'd use that spell. Um, ah. But what was quite, quite frustrating is you had to actually do verbal components, so you would have to memorize the the spells oh wow um and oh. i mean they weren't too tricky but they were tricky enough that i was i was only like 13 14 when i was doing this and i was casting mm-hmm. uh sort of level two uh healing magic um and having to sort of memorize all these different spells and i'd have to sit in like the i remember my dad taking me down i was in the back of the car and i had the rule book and i was sitting memorizing the verbal components for my spells for the weekend so that i could cast the magic i'd be given would you would you be allowed to take a spell book? Uh, I think yeah. I think if you like, if you wanted to, you could have had a, something to actually read it from. As long as as long as it was in character, uh, yeah, they wouldn't have minded you doing that. But obviously, but then of a, course, if you're in the middle of a fight, holding a book isn't like the well. That was it. Most it was, ideal. It was it was really <laughs> tricky. Like if you were trying to fight someone, if you saw one of your friends getting hit and you knew they were going to go down, so you'd run over and start trying to heal them. You're trying to stick your hand on them and incant this phrase, phrase and rip up a card. As they're trying to dodge blows in real time, um, so it, it actually sounds really stressful, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it was tricky. Um, yeah. And then what you would do is at the end of the weekend, you would actually do big fights. Um, so you'd okay, actually, like a battle. Yeah, you'd actually march onto the field of battle. And those were great fun. They were terrifying when I was like 13, 14, to be honest. Um, so what would happen is on the Saturday afternoon, half the people there would go and play the, the bad guys uh, as monsters mm-hmm. against the the real characters. And then you'd flip. And the next day you'd go and do it for them. So everybody got a turn at fighting the big army. Um, that would be built into the storyline, but the big battles were awesome and, and lots of cool stuff happened at them. But I always quite liked the the little storylines more. They were kind of more involved yeah. and, and more interesting. Um, I could tell stories for hours about things that happened um, when I was doing this because I did it for a good few so, years. So buckle up, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> we're going for a wild, wild ride. Yeah. Story one. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, uh, 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 Sorry, on you go. So that no, that was it. It was um, it was quite nostalgic, sort of pulling out all these um, old outfits, and, and most of them did still fit me because they're ones that I bought sort of when I was in my twenties. Because we did it a lot when we were teenagers, and then we kind of revisited it for a few years as well in our twenties, mm-hmm. uh, which was a very different experience, to be honest. Because there's a lot of drinking uh, that goes on at these things in the <laughs> evening, uh, a lot of drinking and a lot of uh, a lot of socializing, carousing, shall we say. Um, I was going to ask: Is there is is there like an element of LARPing and the culture around it that like what what's the least expected thing about it? Um, it's very like personable. Um, a lot yeah. of very loud, very characterful individuals um, that you meet. It's not like nerds, you know. Like, well, it is nerds. That's a lie. It's not just nerds. Like, you get some really. Um, a really eclectic selection of people so it's not just like a bunch of you know slightly overweight guys bald with glasses you know me essentially um it's not just people like that you get a full kind of range of, of people at it um men women all ages you know from from yeah. kids all the way up to people you know in their 50s and 60s and that's cool and that. um yeah, but is that is that is that not the reality of people who are into tabletop gaming yeah, anyway? Definitely, but yeah. I think there's a there's a perception of what it will be like, and it's uh, it's not like that. And they're very, a lot of them are very very social, uh, very outgoing, and very entertaining just to, to be around. Um, mm-hmm. It's not to say that there weren't a few duds. <laughs> uh, that always is. Whatever you do, yeah. whatever you do in life, you there's there's going to be an asshole somewhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> But uh, so, like, I, I was just just going back to the actual mechanics of of how the the game element of this works. Who polices it then? Because you mentioned that there's a GM's tent. Yes. But do, do so? Do you have like GMs almost almost like judges at a boxing match? Yeah. Just, like watching these fight. Right. Okay. They're, they're actually called refs. Um, okay. Ah. Right. So basically, it works on kind of an honor system. Um, so if something sure. happens and a ref's not there, you're expected to just act as should be the case. So if a ref's not there and you get hit in the arm, you have to accept that you've lost that arm. Um, if a ref is there, they, they will tend to appear for the more complicated situations that arise. So the big battles, the skirmishes, any kind of uh, subterfuge uh, mm-hmm. that happens um, and things like that, the refs would be on hand for. I, I was a ref. Um, I was just about to ask, yeah, did you ever have a crack at that? Yeah, so we, when we went back in our 20s, um, we went back as sort of part-time uh, refs. So we mm-hmm. sort of helped out with the refing. We did more kind of admin stuff than, than on-site um, refing. That was kind of reserved for people who were quite experienced. But we could kind of 
you know call things if we needed to. Um, sure. So yeah, that was that was quite uh, eventful. <laughs> uh, seeing it from that side of it, um, but yeah, um, it's a weird one because it's not like you don't have the same freedom as a ref um, as you do at the tabletop. You know, when you're GM, you're the be all and end all. You decide the storyline. Yeah. You, know, um, you don't have that. You're more of a uh, a judge and arbiter. Um, you, you are confined to the realm of reality. Yeah. Or like, you know, the physical world, yeah. <laughs> at least. Um, there are storylines um, and there are overarching plots, but they're kind of dealt with in the background by people higher up. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so you mentioned that, that it was it was fantasy uh, LARPing that you'd done, but I'm assuming that's not the only the only flavour of LARP? No, so um, I did, when I lived in Carlisle, uh, where I met your fine self. Um, yeah, a life-changing moment for you, for sure. Indeed. Uh, when, <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in Carlisle, uh, I joined a uh, VLARP, which is a Vampire mm-hmm. the Masquerade LARP, uh, which is a very different uh, animal uh, to the fantasy LARP I'd done. So that was quite small scale, uh, probably between 10 and 30 people. Uh, you would kind of that happened. I think was it fortnightly, if I remember rightly. Um, I remember. I remember you going to it mm. because uh, I, I I met Tom. I think we talked about how we met, right? I think so. I met you. If, if people, if we haven't, I met Tom when he was working at Games Workshop in Carlisle, and I would I would go there for my games and just generally we started hanging out outside at Games Workshop a bit more. Uh, and I remember quite a few of the guys who were uh, do, doing Warhammer in Carlisle were attending the the Vampire Masquerade LARP. Yeah, it was quite well. it was quite popular in, in Carlisle. Incidentally, mm-hmm. on the subject of meeting you, I remember teaching you how to paint uh, bones for your undead uh, horses. Yes, as one of the yeah, first encounters we one. had. <laughs> I owe you one. Uh, I had to paint a lot of that. I think it was given just, that I had an undead army. It's just dry brushing. I think that's probably all yeah. I taught people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I went to the the vampire LARP, and that was very very different. Um, that was very combat light, um, very narrative. That really had one, maybe two GMs at most. Um, okay. What what I found very different about that is, whereas fantasy was very, uh, the fantasy LARP was very sort of camaraderie, and for the most part, you were fighting against NPCs, albeit real people. Mm-hmm. Um, Vampire is very much cloak and dagger PvP. Um, well, I mean that that is fitting for the setting, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah, um, I had a lot of fun with it initially, um, but I did sort of lose interest in it because it. it you get this situation, and I've, I've seen this at the tabletop as well, where people start to take things personally. Um, yeah, it's it stops being about it's a game, it's characters, and personal grievances get brought to the table. Um, which is not healthy. Um, and in a situation like that where you get large groups, you start to get these cliques forming and, and you get people talking behind each other's backs. And I'm not saying that I exclusively happened, but I certainly saw sort of symptoms of it. Um, no, right. That's a shame. Yeah, it, it was. Um, and real-life politics comes into it and, and all that kind of stuff. So whilst I did have a lot of fun with it initially, um, and it was it was very interesting to see a different side of the LARP scene, uh, I'm not sure that that was the one for me. <laughs> yeah, that's time. fair. That's fair. But I like to experience uh, the uh, the different flavors of these things. Yeah, and like it's 
I have to admit, it's, it's something that has never really appealed to me. I think the closest thing that I've done to, to LARPing would be going to, like, uh, I, I'm probably going to offend a load of people by saying this, but the closest thing I, I've done to it is probably going to a fancy dress party. Right. But to be honest, like even things like escape rooms and murder mysteries and stuff like that, there is a, an extent, a level of, of LARPing in that. You're playing a role within a, a setting. You are absolutely bang on. I have done, I, I, I have done murder mysteries and escape rooms. Yeah. So yeah, you, you're, you're absolutely right now that you make the point. Yeah, and like that's when people laugh at LARPers. These are the same people that I know that have gone to escape rooms or have done murder mysteries, and I'm like, you're. You're laughing at people who are doing exactly the same thing you've done, just under a different setting. You know, a different, a different guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure, they're yeah. A bit, a bit more into it, perhaps, and they they invest a little heavier, but it's really not that that different when you look at it. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know if it's something I would do. I think I like and this is another thing I was wondering: is there quite a lot of crossover with LARPers and people who do like uh, the historical battle reenactments? Did you find that at all? Yeah, there, there is a crossover. Certainly. I think um, from what I encountered, a lot of the materials you use are the same. So for example, there are people who will go for like full plate. Um, they will yeah. wear. Wow. Uh, incidentally, I had a guy uh, who was six foot four wearing full metal plate fall on my legs. Uh, that's not fun. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Um, so I had. How did you not break something? That's gonna. That would hurt like hell. He knew how to fall. Is is probably the the way okay. to put it. Um, basically, I had fallen over. Uh, I I think I was either dying in character or something had knocked me to the ground, and there was a big uh, monster that did this sort of shock wave that sent everyone flying, um, and you kind of get a shout from the ref saying like fall or something like that. Um, and I was stood behind this guy who was wearing this full plate suit of armor, and down I go. And to his credit, I don't think he realized there was a thirteen-year-old behind him. Uh, and down mm. he went uh, straight across my legs, and I was just sort of like, <laughs> the profanities <laughs> that uh, exited my mouth were not appropriate for a thirteen-year-old. It's probably appropriate for the situation. Definitely, though. yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, wow. So yeah, there well, is. He had actual legit like full play. Legit full play, yeah, hundred percent. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. That must have cost him thousands. I, I yeah. yeah wow. People properly invested. Like you were looking for a weapon, so the sword I showed you, I think that was fifty to sixty quid for that one sword. Yeah. Um, if you, I, were... can, I can I can picture that quite easily. I mean, like I go to Geekaboo in Queen Street, and they've. Not not for LARPing purposes, but they have these like display weapons mm. of like famous swords from film and TV, and yeah, they they ain't cheap. No, not at all. And I mean, then you start to look at like, and th- that's the cheaper end of it. Once you start to go on to larger weapons uh, or armor, which is usually metal, um, you're looking hundreds, and and it can range up into the thousands as well. So it's not wow. a cheap hobby. And and to answer your original question. The people that do the historic stuff, they have the same sort of materials, um, the same sort of armors, especially, and, and there will be crossover in, in people that are involved in both, I think. Um, I suspect there's probably an element of um, some people who look down on one side or the other. So the, yeah. the historical LARPers, <laughs> the historical people probably look at the LARPers as silly, and vice versa, the, the LARPers probably look at the historical people as a bit taking it a bit too seriously. Yeah. Um, no, so, that's fair. But we all, like, like you said, uh, in a different context, we, we all form our own cliques. Yeah. So it's just human nature, I suppose. Well, the, 
there are plenty of people with chips on both shoulders, so yeah. it's fine. This is true. This is very true. All right. There is one thing I need to ask. Okay. And um, this will probably get cut from the episode. Okay. You ever get freaky with your LARP gear on? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I was going to get a scoop there. No, I'm afraid not, mate. So, I mean, to be okay. fair, I was 13 and 14 for most of it. No, no. No, but you, you you got back you got back into it at a later stage in life as well. Yeah, but so. No, even revisiting it, uh, no, that's not my that's uh, not my jam. <laughs> that's, that's you're, fair if you're getting down with Tom, you're getting down with a real Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard it here. You heard it here, folks. There's your uh, there's your episode title right there. <laughs> if you're getting down with Tom, you're getting down with the real Tom, and I think that is. Uh, a very appropriate uh, way to round out the episode. <laughs> so, guys, look, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back again next week and uh, bringing you more uh, tabletop and tabletop adjacent content. Uh, but until next time, take care. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.